Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with people who know Vegas. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Vegas. Last week you met Meyer Lansky II, the grandson of the infamous Meyer Lansky. And the response to that conversation was incredible. It seems that you love discussions of vintage Vegas, the days when mobsters ran the town. Well, with that in mind, we're going to continue that topic with our buddy Wayne Klingman, who wrote the definitive book on the Milwaukee mob boss, Frank Bellastari, who also has ties into the Vegas underworld of the past. Also on today's show, your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com, is back. Today, we will discuss a couple of predictions from Scott that came true and even a couple that didn't. And finally, Chef Justin Wells is back to talk about the art of fine dining. Well, he's back with us again. We love when Wayne Klingman joins us. We also know him as Mr. Big. One of these guys who just uh, loves history, particularly Vegas history, and particularly history from the mob and so forth. And everybody's interested in that. We have a museum in Vegas, the Mob Museum. There's just a love of it. He wrote a fantastic book, The Life and Times of Frank Ballesteri, The Last Most Powerful Godfather of Milwaukee. And I found that book fascinating. If, if you haven't gotten it yet, do get it. And I think what's interesting about that, Wayne, is it seems like every big city had a guy like Frank, right, who uh, was kind of the, the king of the town, and there was always seems to be a connection to Las Vegas. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Even even the little city at the time, Madison, Wisconsin, right, had not only a mafia family, but they had a slight connection to Las Vegas, of all things. You know, they were everywhere. They were more powerful than we give them credit for, and they all seemed to have fingers of one sort or another into the great city of Las Vegas. Well, Ballesteri was an interesting read because you talk about him and he's one of those guys that you don't mess with. I mean, you just read that and you get right off the bat uh, if he doesn't like you or finds no. that you need to be uh, handled, it's not going to be pleasant. No, no, no. The idea of um, some guy, I forget the person's name, excuse me, you know, insulted him to his face and now they can't find his, right? <laughs> After yeah. his car blew up, right? No, he was never accused, sorry, he was never charged for that nor convicted of that but yet many people think he blew that poor man up the same thing with um, frank lorizenthal many people to include myself believe that after everything went south that um, he thought let's kill frank rosenthal makes perfect sense to me what is it you think about the mafia i get asked about your book all the time and i think people just love this stuff i i i guess it's it's kind of a different culture that if you're not in it you don't understand it, and yet it is just kind of fascinating because it it is its own its own set of rules and so forth. Yeah, well, popular media goes a long way. I mean, we've all seen The Sopranos, right? Um, in TV, the movies show us one side of a multifaceted, unrealistic portrayal of the real life mafia, right? They don't portray 
the, hard, the or evil things they do, the drug importation, the drug sales, the prostitution they're involved in, all that, got, got, all that stuff, right? They do go out of their way to show the mafia guy going after the pedophile, the mafia guy making sure the world, world down the street gets something to eat for Thanksgiving, right? Mm-hmm. They want to show us the side that brings them viewers, but that's also the side that people find fascinating and really, in some senses, a side that did exist. Al Capone did feed the homeless during the Great Depression. That's yeah. a fact. Yeah, well, you know, it's real interesting because I've been kind of on a kick. You know, I go through old shows, and my kick lately has been The Untouchables. And, you know, a lot of those stories, and, and I find Elliot Ness fascinating, although it's nothing like the Robert Stack character. But it just seemed like there was this, like, almost a chess game going on bet- yeah. between some of these smart guys that were working in government with some of these guys. Some of the really best businessmen in town, you kind of wonder how they could have done in a, uh, in a traditional business setting because they just seem to have a good feel for what uh, their audience wants. Well, absolutely. I think that the people that do our entertainment understand what people want. They don't want the understanding of the little guy can't go against the big guy. It's really hard for the guy down the street having a bad day to do much about it. I had the fantasy that, my God, if I lived next to Tony Soprano, all the things Tony would help me with. When we had roofers on my roof that were screwing things up, I would give him my right arm. That Tony <laughs> Soprano was my friend. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that goes back to The Godfather with the, yeah. the scene of the wedding where this was a chance to get even with people that, you know, do you want justice? Yeah, I want justice. Well, it's your justice, and uh, I guess I guess there's that appeal to it. There's appeal. And then you get the whole thing, too, is when you look at New York, let's use like New York as an example, right, with the, with, with the Javits Center, right, with all that concrete that was supplied by the mafia, right? Did that hurt people? Uh, it kind of sort of because maybe they paid a little bit high prices for that concrete. But at the same time, it also employed an awful lot of people who may not have been able to get a job anywhere else. Well, you know, the mob, too, and Vegas just go together, right? I mean, yes, let's sir. face it. And, you know, I know you love Las Vegas, and, and you're fascinated by that. I guess it was just kind of built for that, right? All the, you know, the vices are all on the table, and right. some are legal, some aren't. But that's what, where they naturally were attracted to. I mean, to me, now... I've been looking at my good guy, Tony, guy, I can't pronounce his name, I apologize, but they call him the hat, right? He, he, he was in Vegas for a while. He did some offshore gambling boats, boats outside of L.A. for a while, right? He would come back to Vegas and die gambling at a table mysteriously, right? I mean, he did it all. I mean, he, he came to Vegas. He saw the opportunity, especially with the Hoover Dam. He knew that those people wanted to do something on weekends. Uh, they're done building the dam. Let's give them entertainment. Let's give them the taboos. Let's give them the broads. Let's give them the fun places to do stupid things. And let's make money how we're doing it. And that's an award-winning situation. Well, you know, the thing is, too, you hear people all the time go, boy, I wish the, the mob was running the place. I don't know if they really mean that. But there was this idea that when the mob was running Vegas that, you know, gambling paid for everything and everything else was a bargain. And it certainly was run differently than it's run now. Yeah. I will say this much, and um, with no offense meant to the fine people of Vegas law enforcement who are doing a very good job under trying circumstances, some of the problems that, 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 that face downtown and face on the strip would not be happy that the mob was in charge. Those thugs trying to carry guns, those guns trying to rap, those thugs trying to rap people would be dealt with. They would never be seen again. Again, I think Vegas uh, appeals to a side of us that 
at some level, everybody has, whether they just want to be naughty once. It's, it always feels like the, the trip to Vegas is kind of an escape. And a lot of people that think they have, and they do it, they have a great time. And so they're really, they're doing nothing illegal. They, they may be just things that they think about. But it, it, it's just a different side that you can address once in a while, I guess. Some well, less than others, obviously. Well, to me, to me, when I go to El Cortez this fall, late, early spring, right? do my research on my upcoming book and Frank going to Vegas, Frank, my guy's Frank activities within the skim. I will stay at El Cortez because it's a, it's a hotel that's rooted in Vegas mafia history, right? I will go to Binion's to play at least one night because when you got Pat Cow Cowgirls there, you've you got to like Pat Cowgirls, right? <laughs> but you also have a great tradition with Benny in bringing the poker to the city, right? And he was and not necessarily the nicest guy in the world either, but they both worked hard, the people that brought Al Cortez in, Benyon, to do what it takes to give people a nice, safe place to gamble, lose their money, and have fun. Back with more from Wayne Klingman, author of The Life and Times of Frank Bellisteri, the last, most powerful godfather of Milwaukee, in just a moment. And just a reminder, please visit Vegas Never Sleeps online for the best in Vegas. It's always VegasNeverSleeps.com. And for great sports... It's Sports R-A-C-X, which is available on radio stations nationwide and wherever you listen to podcasts. Sports R-A-C-X. Now, later today on Sports Rockin' Tours, you'll meet former Eagles, Rams, and Chiefs coach Dick Vermeil, who was just named by the Senior Committee of the NFL Hall of Fame to next year's class. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. I'm Bobby Brooks Wilson, and you're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You love your dog. Is something bothering him or her and you can't figure out what it is? Maybe they seem slow or lethargic, and maybe they just don't have energy. Wouldn't you like your dog to be living their very best life? PetJoy offers a money-back guarantee on all of its products. If your dog won't eat it or you don't see the results you want, just let us know and we'll make it right. Totally risk-free. What do you have to lose? You can't buy PetJoy multivitamins in a store. The only way you can get them is through this unique radio offer. And if you call right now, learn how to get two bottles free with your order. Turn your dog's life around and make him or her a happy camper. Ain't that right, boy? He said call Pet Joy right now. 800-451-1439. 800-451-1439. That's 800-451-1439. Okay, Sean, we need to talk about our training budget. We're spending almost $1,500 per employee each year. What's the plan? Well, ma'am, 42% of companies are saying that e-learning has led to an increase in revenue. What does that do about the travel expense? E-learning allows employees to learn wherever they are. Then we need to consider the time away from production. I heard that e-learning takes up to 60% less employee time than traditional classroom training. Perfect. Let's find a curriculum company, a development company, a learning management software company. Actually, Epsilon XR specializes in end-to-end learning solutions with tools such as instructor-led training, online classrooms, simulations, virtual and augmented reality, and curriculum development. Get Epsilon XR on the phone. 
Epsilon XR creates immersive learning environments that engage with your learner, resulting in improved information retention, which leads to better performance and ultimately an increase in revenue. Learn more at elearning.epsilonxr.com. Now, let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to author and Vegas fan, Wayne Klingman. Well, you know, that is really the truth, because I remember when I just turned 21, you want to do something. And the thing that you learn about Vegas right away, and I guess the time Reno was like that too, it was the one place where you could walk around with money in your hand, lots of 20s, and nobody even looked at you, you know? And it just was a funny thing that there seemed to be a feeling of security. I, I don't know exactly how they did it, but, you know, they didn't want any trouble. That was the whole idea. I think, in my opinion, if I went it big, I'd say the D, mm-hmm. right? And by the time I got done t- t- uh, tipping out all the dancing dealers, I had any money left, right? Mm-hmm. I could I could ask for somebody to walk me to my car. They'd be more than happy to do that. If they went, if I wanted them to send me a check, they'd be more than happy to do that. If wire me the money, they'd be more than happy to do that. They want me to be safe at all times, right? I, I, I know I talked to Heather Ferris, and she's up front. This place, you can go in Vegas, not a problem. This places that you need to stay away from, right? And oh, it's yeah. okay. This, this place is in my hometown, you have to stay away from. This place is in Milwaukee, you have to stay away from. But exactly. you know where to stay away from, you know the things not to do, you're pretty well off. Because if you're an old man like me, and that babe comes up and says, I want to go up to your room for a while, you know less trouble. Yep, you know you know right away, right, Wayne? It's one of those things, okay, this doesn't happen every day. There's something no. amiss there. No. You mentioned Derek Stevens before, and Derek yes, has certainly got no connection with any of this stuff. But Derek kind of feels like a throwback, not not to the illegal stuff at all, but just the idea of the old days of Vegas where you yeah. really took care of the visitor and yeah. so forth. seems like he gets it. Yes. When he pointing up his own money to bring people to Vegas, remember that? Yeah, I do. I mean, he I don't know how many millions of dollars that must have cost him, but he did it to show that Vegas was still there, that wanted to welcome people and give them a good time. I have nothing but the highest respect for, for him, highest respect for Derek. I, I can't think of any more any more of a human being that I respect more than him. Well, let's talk a little about you, Wayne. And you're you're a really interesting guy, great writer, prolific writer. Now, yes, you, you you mentioned uh, with the Milwaukee Mafia and Frank, you're looking at right now. You're kind of in the uh, research mode. You want to do a follow up, and that's going to actually involve uh, more about Las Vegas, if I understand it right. Definitely, because with um with Ellen Cook dead, God rest his soul, right? Mm-hmm. He was involved with the whole um, Argent situation. He was the main, main, main player, testified at the court trial about the mafia being in Vegas, right? With him being passed, we now can look at his FBI information, right? We can look at his 302s. What do they have to say? We get some, though, we can go to the banks. We can find out their records. Because, again, he's dead, right? I want to know what banks they used potentially find out who was running those banks at the time, what relationship they may have had at the Mafia at that time, or other groups of people. Is there such a thing as the Mormon, ma- Mormon Mafia that I keep hearing about? Is this one of these myth things that we hear, you know, word on the street, is that there's such a thing? Did it exist? I don't know. I have no idea. But it makes some sense. I mean, if I'm a banker and suddenly you know, this guy comes to me with all these loans, even though they're, they're through the Teamsters, they're picking me for a reason, Right. 
you know, and, and then we had the nice personalities. We got Alan Dorfman, another man that was involved out of the Chicago outfit, right? Who's now murdered down the line. We got Jimmy Hoffa, if he had a Teamsters loan, which is what, murdered down the line. It, how much of the situation with the skim plays in their demise? You know, I have a question. Do you ever get hassled by people? Because I know there's still organized crime around. It's not It's not like it once was. And I know what you're talking about is vintage stuff from back. But have you ever had anybody uh, pay a visit, Wayne, or say, like, hey, you better stay away from this? Or is... No. Um, funny you should ask that question. We did a free showing for my movie, which is available on YouTube. Um, we did a free showing of my movie at a... Um, Masonic Lodge here, and in comes to see the movie is his Frank's last surviving son, who threatens me, who threatens my director. Mm. Yeah, many, many, I'm 60, at the time I was maybe 59, mm-hmm. so Joel must have been close in his 70s. Right now we've been, you know, so we had two old men fighting. Jason Love, who was also threatened in my opinion, is a, built like a fire plug. He used to wrestle in high school. Right? That would have been a very, very short fight. But yeah. again, it's, in my opinion, it was an older man with his cronies looking for some attention. Now, he also claims to have a book. I'd like to see that book come out. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's fascinating stuff. You know, and you write a lot of stuff. And what I, I find interesting is, in addition to this kind of thing, you write some uh, fiction, which is some really interesting stuff. Uh, we got one. We won't get into too much detail. It's a family show, but really, it's kind of a real seedy look uh, into one of the raunchier sides of. Uh, right. If you're talking Elias, Mr. Big, which is a yes, book I, I recommend, <laughs> if you're over the age of 18, right? It's a fun read, right? It's a fun read. Imagine me, me, Wayne Cleveland, aka Mr. Big, in 1920s, owning a bar and having access to what that bar during Prohibition would have valued me, and you're not far off the mark. Well, yeah, exactly, and it's funny because when I looked at it, I thought to myself, well, this reminds me of The Untouchables if they had The Untouchables after dark (laughs) because, you know, it was some of those scenes, but then what you see with the door shut is actually what you cover uh, right in front of us. But, I mean, again, you can write fiction. You can write nonfiction. Thank you. I appreciate the compliment. Yeah, Yeah. and you also write a lot about Vegas table games, and I want to get into that because your series is great for people that – Kind of want to come out and play. They, you know, maybe maybe this will be their first trip to Vegas or one of their earlier ones, or maybe they just never. Some people are afraid of table games. You know, they'll play the slots and stuff, but they're afraid of it. And I think yeah, you kind of help people right from the start. I mean, you have kind of an affinity for them. It's like okay, let's learn it, and learn it the right way. Right. I, I can tell you this. Um, when I go to our local Indian casino up here, and they do a nice, nice job, they usually have an area where they will teach you how to play blackjack and stuff. They want to make it as easy for you as possible to play the game, right? But many people still are scared. Oh, I don't know the terms. I don't know what to do if this happens. What does this mean? So I wrote the Mr. Big line, which you can all get as an all-in-one, um, findable on Amazon, right? Um, Mr. Big Talks all for it all in one. You can get, I think, it's five bucks in Kindle. If I may plug that book briefly, it will teach you the basics. So at least you walk into the table to play craps or play blackjack or play Texas Hold'em poker. You know, you have some idea. You're not there as a room out off the street. 
glossary at the end is great. You learn all the terms. It's like a reference uh, book that you can just cut that part out and take with you because, yeah. you know, there's nothing like kind of knowing where, where you're saying things and you're saying the right things, you know it, and you're, you're kind of like a, one of the people that are in. And that feels good, you know, and there's no yeah. reason people can't do that. No, people, people can't do that. There's no reason, in my opinion, strongly, especially if you go to a nice place like Derek Stevens' ass, say the D, or the Four Queens, which is another place I like to recommend, right? Is they also want to go all the way to make you feel as comfortable as possible. But you go with a little bit of terms, you know a little bit of the terms. Again, you don't feel like the kid off the street. You feel like you've had some experience. You're not being stupid. Back with more from Wayne Klingman, author of The Life and Times of Frank Bellisteri, the last most powerful godfather of Milwaukee, in just a moment. And just a reminder, please visit Vegas Never Sleeps online for the best in Vegas. It's always VegasNeverSleeps.com. And for great sports, it's Sports R-A-C-X, which is available on radio stations nationwide and wherever you listen to podcasts. Sports R-A-C-X. Now, later today on Sports Rockin' Tours, you'll meet former Eagles, Rams, and Chiefs coach Dick Vermeil, who was just named by the Senior Committee of the NFL Hall of Fame to next year's class. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps. I'm Stephen Maggi, and we're chatting with Wayne Klingman, a prolific author that has a love for Vegas. Right. What's your favorite game? I mean, are you a craps guy? Or craps, are you baby. Like craps. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, people get afraid. They, they get really afraid of craps. They, they, they get scared like they're, gonna, they're not going to know what to do. And actually, it's really not that complicated a game, is it? No, 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 no. I mean, what, if you really feel it's really that not hard, you feel that that comfortable, you can also find them online. They're free craps games you can download on your iPhone, download on your, I, I, your Android. As you read the book, right, you read my phone one, as you read that book and within that book, craps, you can follow along, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's a great way to start anything out. Texas Hold'em Poker, I would recommend that you play a couple games online, you read the books early, you go to one of the maybe, maybe we have what they call barley drop, barred, barley leagues here that will do Texas Hold'em, right? And maybe play, 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 I'm sorry, play there a few times. Yeah. So you get more of the feel of the game. Yeah, well, and that's one of those games where you're playing against other people and there's there's certain strategies, but with, like, craps or blackjack, it's one-on-one -on -one against uh, the dealer, and, you know, your, your decisions matter, but you don't have to worry about embarrassing yourself or anything like that or getting getting taken from somebody because somebody knows how to bluff or something. You don't have to worry about that, and yet have a lot of fun. Yes. Well, what I like about craps is you, I feed, can't say for everybody else, but I feed off the table crowd. Yeah. You get some hot dice, and you make your points, people get excited, and people clap. And I have to tell you, Mr. Big's a pig, right? I'm making my point, points, the girls are happy, the girls jump, the girls hug, right? And yeah. who doesn't want that? Who does not like that? <laughs> well, it's one of the most fun places. You know, when you think of a casino, and you hear people screaming and yelling, chances are they're doing it from the craps table. And I think it's the most... Uh, 
it's got the longest history of you know you think back to all guys and dolls and to yep. you know all that sort of things dice is uh, is just a lot of fun and uh and you can do it as a, it's it's fun you go by yourself and have fun go with a group and have fun and that, that's kind of the yeah. the part of the game that's just so attractive what i also like if i may may this for an aside is that you have a lot of people out down in the vegas area that do video blogs Mm-hmm. And it's really nice to see, because you can see the hotel, you can see the games, but you can also see how nicely the people get back, get along with each other, right? Yeah, that's true. You know, people fighting back and forth. You have people saying, hey, I met you, you know, well, we'll wait for a while, maybe we'll get lunch here. Have you tried this flat? Have you tried that flat? Stuff like that. This show's coming to town, right? And then Billions for a while, I don't know if they still do it, but they also had a show they could see on YouTube with their cowgirls dealing the games, right? You could get to know the environment better. I like that sort of thing. I want to recommend everybody who's out there to take the opportunity to watch some of the video bloggers and their Vegas adventures. Well, you know, Wayne, you sound like a guy that really enjoys downtown. I mean, that's, for the real gambler, I think that probably is uh, perhaps the most attractive place, unless, unless you're going to play big, big dollars. That might be the most attractive place to go. Yeah, well, me, I have an agenda. Again, I, I have to, before I die, stay at El Cortez, right? I got to. It's like a law, right? <laughs> I got to play some blackjack at um, the old Hooters place. I get what's called now, right? Yeah, oh, oh yo. Oh, oh thank you. I, yeah. I got to play blackjack there because I understand they have a really, really, really low table limit, and they also have Hooter girls, and you can't beat Hooter girls. You also have three to two blackjack, which nowadays that used to be the norm everywhere, and now there's a lot of places on the strip, in particular, where it's all six to five, and that's less fun. Well, to me, to me, what really bothers me, if I can have a pet peeve, is some of these places are going away from human dealers to machines. I'm sorry, I want to play crafts with a human dealer, right? Yeah. At the end of my night, if I'm having a nice night, if I'm having a nice time, I want you to give her a black chip. I want to. I want to have that experience. That to me is part of the experience. Not playing with something stupid like a machine for craft. Is there any place besides Oyo that uh, you like on the strip at all? You know, I always get the different problems between what's in the strip and what's on uh, what's on Fremont. So forgive me, right? I'm so confused. I'm old. Um, but I want to say, if I may recommend a couple places, right? Mm-hmm. Please, 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 go to Binion's and say, Mister Big. Sent you. Okay, we'll do I, that. There's a lot I, of good restaurants there at Mid Binions, too. You can have a lot of fun there. You can't. I mean, there's all kinds of good places. you got to eat Askers. you got to eat Askers Steakhouse, right? you got to go to the Mad Museum. Now, what's really nice is with any luck, with any luck, either myself or my director of my movie will be down to the Vegas Mad Museum to do a speaking tour. That's And, and that's and development, but that'd be a nice thing to do. I really, really would like that. I really would like to go to the plaque they have for Bugsy Siegel by the Flamingo. There's a lot of good history in Vegas. I mean, yeah, to me, Vegas is the clubs, Vegas is the casinos, and all that other good stuff. But there's a lot of good history in Vegas. Now, you know, you know you're, you live in Milwaukee. You live in a in a you know, old, beautiful, old home in Racine, from what I understand. 115 yes, years. Do you gamble out there? I assume there's uh, you know, Native American yeah, gaming. Yeah, there's, stuff. A, there's what they call Pinoanime Casino, uh, which is open now, finally. And now that they removed, in my opinion, some of the more silly requirements, it's, to me, it's a lot more fun place to go to. Um, the bar leads all here can be nice because even though we're talking, you know, it, I think it's like a $10 or $15 buy in. 
you know, you can buy more chips you want to, so you might be down 20 bucks at the end of the night, right? You might walk off in a really good night with a couple hundred if you're lucky. But still, I spent 10 bucks on worse things. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what, the, what the heck, you know? Well, do you, ever, do you ever go out to Jersey at all, or is that... No, uh, sir, I'm not yet... I'm not yet made it to Atlantic City, and um, two reasons why. One has to do with an incident running to some people. That's I really doesn't know much about that. I didn't say anything. And of course, I can only go to um, I can only go to Atlantic City if I would be able to meet up either with my co-writer for uh, Mr. Big Talks Flats or the famous mafia writer herself, Daniel Gomes. Well, Wayne, I don't care whether it's New Jersey, if you ever get out there, Havana, Cuba, which you're probably not going to get there, and, of course, Las Vegas, which you're always going to come to. Absolutely. You love this lifestyle, and we love the stuff you write about it. Let's tell people how they can get a hold of all your books. Is it Amazon the easiest uh, way? Okay, easy way, a couple ways. So, um, my email, which is W-C-L-I-N-G-M-A-N at com. My Twitter, which is the Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Mob, which is really good. You can also find me and all my books on my webpage, which is MilwaukeeMob.com. We will check them all out, and we're going to have you on again. Wayne, thanks so much. Good talking with you. Pleasure is mine, sir. Thank you so much. Chef Justin Wells of La Petite Maison is back with us today to discuss the importance of the art of cooking. Yeah, I mean, appreciation of anything, food, wine, music, art, you know, all of that stuff is trained. I mean, anybody can look at a painting and say, well, it's a beautiful painting, but to understand the context of when it was made and the details of it, I mean, I think appreciation for any of that sort of stuff is, it, it takes time. I mean, there, there's people who are naturally gifted and have a great palate naturally, and there's people that have to work at it and understand it. And so, yeah, I think food appreciation is uh, is underrated. And I try to get people to slow down and really kind of think about what they're eating. I mean, certain things are great to eat fast. I mean, I don't need to, like, spend 20 minutes on eating a street taco. Like, that's two bites and I'm done, but I can still appreciate it in that respect. So when I say slow down and think about it, it's actually internalize what you're tasting, internalize. And, and talking about it, you know, Zoe is very discerning as well. And so her and I, you know, if anything, we probably over-scrutinize the stuff that we personally make. Have you been Portnoyed yet? Well, you should be. What does that actually mean, Neil Portnoy? You send me a photograph, and I do a realistic cartoon caricature. Realistic looks just like you. And then I cartoon the body. How do we get information we want to get Portnoyed? Uh, you can call the gallery at 702-685-2929 or on social media, Facebook, Portnoy Gallery, Artist Neil Portnoy, Neil Portnoy, idroppeople.com, and probably about six other places that, at my age, memory is the second thing that goes. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. I'm John Katsalamidis of the Las Vegas Review Journal on page 3A every day and online all the time. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi.
What if every dollar you invested into your training program turned into $30 of revenue? What if your learning program was so engaging that your employees looked forward to annual trainings? And what if you could monitor the success and effectiveness of your curriculum with quantifiable metrics? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. E-learning has made each of these scenarios possible, utilizing tools such as virtual and augmented reality, simulations, and online instructor-led training provides a safe environment for employees to learn at their own pace. Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Here at Epsilon XR, we have 50 years of experience in creating powerful and effective training programs. We combine proven training methods with cutting-edge technology to create immersive training experiences. Are you ready to take your training program to the next level? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Training.epsilonxr.com. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Chef Justin Wells of La Petite Maison is back with us today to discuss the importance of the art of cooking. You also do a dish, the airline chicken breast, and this thing is incredible because nothing sounds duller than just ah chicken breast. I've never had anything like that. It doesn't taste like any chicken breast I ever had. It's the most wonderful thing. I mean, you can you can taste the butter, you can taste all these things. Is that like the challenge? You know, to take like like what you're talking about, like take something like a chicken breast and kind of say, you think you know what one of these tastes like? Oh, we can do so much more. Yeah, absolutely. And I resisted for a long time. I mean, we didn't have chicken on the menu for the first five years we were open. And I just, I resisted it to a point of just saying, you know, if people are going out, that's not what they want to eat. And then, you know, I, I had a lot of great examples of chicken and thought, okay, fine, I'll, I'll try something. And I actually wound up doing it specifically for truffle season because roast chicken with truffles is like, one of the most delicious things you can eat. And we had some asparagus and we had some morels. So it was like as classic as it gets, you know, asparagus with morels and roast chicken and truffles, like it doesn't get any more French and it doesn't get any more seasonal. And so I put that on the menu and wound up running it on the prefix menu and people freaked out over it. And so, you know, it became a fixed entity because, you know, dishes take on a life of their own and people just not, I mean, they expect it. They, they, they've had it and they want it again. Thanks, Justin. Now, let's turn to Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com, also known as your Vegas Insider. Scott often makes predictions on the show about what's going to happen around town. When it comes to the Palms, Scott has been right on the money. Yeah, I mean, it's it's rough, and it's so easy to be kind of an armchair quarterback, And but there are folks in there that are really passionate. There's a lot of smart people. I don't know about if that's the case uh, at Palms at that time, but uh, there are people who are certainly passionate, and they, you know, everybody's a critic, but sometimes it's gl- it seems glaringly obvious. You know, the world of nightclubs, it's not a one-off thing where a nightclub closed. It was a pattern over the course of a couple of years of multiple venues closing and not being replaced by anything. So when you see that kind of pattern, and then you learn more about the economics of what's happening, in the case of Marshmallow, a $60 million contract, there's no way they're making their money back. So once you start seeing that, a lot of times these are these are just human beings, right? So there's ego involved. And I think there was, you know, even at the highest level of stations, the CEO was saying Palms is not for sale. 
So I got to call bullshit on that because I know people who got the sales material for Palm. So, I, you know, I don't want to be a jerk, but you, this person clearly is either out of touch or it's ego driven. They don't want to admit they have they failed. Nobody wants to admit that they lost tens of millions of dollars, especially a public company. So he came out, Palms isn't for sale. I'm like, that's not true. And then, of course, Palms is sold. And so I trumpet those moments because I hear other rumors that don't turn out. But those are clearly, they're almost not even rumors. They're just more of an observation of what's true. And what is true is that there was a miscalculation there. And they, they really were building a resort, investing so much money for an audience that did not exist, a customer that didn't exist. That's a huge problem. They don't have to read my Twitter account to figure this out because there are always smart executives within a culture, but they're often intimidated into being yes persons. I was going to say yes men, but they're in the casino industry, it's mostly men. Um, but they are intimidated into silence, even though they know better. So when these plans at the Palms were originally announced, I heard multiple executives were selling stock, their own stock because they could see it coming. A lot of these folks are industry veterans of decades. They're not, you're, they're not babes in the woods and they're not naive to what's coming. So they're like the rest of us, like I'm preserving my assets because I don't, I don't have 100% confidence in this direction. Then as time went by, there was just more and more evidence of that they were in denial. I, uh, multiple people, stopped communicating with me because I kept saying, is chaos going to close? You know, I don't want to be that guy. And they're just like, that's that's ridiculous. And two weeks later, it closed. Well, wait a minute. You know, the thing with the palms are, don't you think they were trying to get that vibe back? Because at one time, you know, they had Hugh Hefner there and, you know, Britney Spears, there was wild stuff going on, the Playboy thing. But 10, 20 years pass, and you can't regenerate that it's just a different time no and real world was another element of that where it was just young and cool and celebrities and i i think they really did want to do that again and it just wasn't happening and that's there's part ego part of it is just i i don't know you over time i guess you just get out of touch with the reality of the situation but if you know the landscape in vegas if you see the history of Wait a second, another nightclub closed, another, it's One Oak, it's Hyde, like multiple venues closing. That's not because business is booming. It's not because Omnia and Hakkasan are stealing all the business. It's the, the culture is changing. People are looking for different experiences. So why do you keep giving them the same things that have been shown to not work? So that's the problem at Resorts World because they're doing exactly the same thing to the point where the person who was in charge of chaos at Palms is in charge of nightlife at Resorts World. And they keep going back to the same well, and because these folks are experienced, uh, experienced and they've had wild success, they have made so much money for these hotels, but they keep going back to the same folks thinking this same formula is gonna work. And there's a lot of evidence that it's just not gonna work anymore. People are looking for more value. They're looking for different experiences. There are still wildly wealthy people and celebrities 
Resorts World is going to be off the chart for the first six months. But then you've got to get back to the reality of so many rooms. Tiesto is hugely expensive. These guys are making a quarter million dollars for a two-hour set. And you have to figure out a way to make profit from that person who's going to the club, who might not gamble, who might not go to a restaurant. How many drinks can you sell that individual to pay a quarter million dollars for a Zed or a Tiesto? The, the math is, it's tricky stuff, but these are smart, smart people. Scott Sabella has been in the industry. He's the president of Resorts World. He's been there in this town, in that world forever. But I think over time, you, you have to see that the business and the town are evolving. And, you, and it crops up in very strange ways. I thought Omega Mart at Area 15 was going to tank. It is packed every day. Area 15, it's an experiential mall. It has multiple venues. I called that completely, I didn't think a single person would venture to Area 15. It's not on the strip, not a casino. This place is freaking packed. They are printing money. I, could I have predicted that? No, could anybody? I don't know, just the people involved with Area 15. So Vegas has always been great at, hey, well, let's give it a try. If we fail, we fail. Bankruptcy, no big deal. Like, you know, even Station, I think, filed bankruptcy. Everybody's filed bankruptcy, and it usually comes from, hey, we tried it, it didn't work, we'll, we'll try something else. So, I don't know, we're all paying for it, and it's, it's very easy to sit on the sidelines and be a critic. That's why I love what I do, because I don't have any skin in the game. I'm just saying, that's going to be great, that's not so great. And, uh, you know, it's, it's always entertaining, because Vegas is just like, it's crazy people. It's big thinkers, it's crazy ideas, it's crazy amounts of money, and that's what makes it so interesting because from one day to the next, you don't know who's gonna announce another billion dollar thing. You don't know, you know, every announcement is reported like it's fact. I'm like, that's not happening. Blue Tech Park, what the? They're, they have nothing, they're built it on vapor, but they're still tweeting. So that's, it's fun and it's sad and it's exciting. And every once in a while, somebody hits you know, they have their finger on the pulse, like Circa downtown. This place is doing really well. Very small casino resort, but just doing really well. So you've, you've got those little pockets of people who seem to just know what people are going to want. I never would have thought that pool would do that well downtown, that that sports book would do that well downtown. There's people that just have mystical powers that I don't have. I'd be a billionaire if I could predict those things. And there's a lot of millionaires and billionaires out there who do predict correctly. So that's a long answer to a short question. Uh, but it, I've, it's endlessly fascinating to me because it's, it is the wildest ideas. Every day somebody is proposing some wild new thing. They are doing incredibly stupid things. They're doing incredibly brilliant things. And the people that you hold in high regard one day their next failure, they're out. Like, it's, it, it is really endlessly fascinating to watch. Thanks, Scott. Don't forget to visit Scott's site, VitalVegas.com. It's the absolute best site to keep up with all the activities in and around Las Vegas. Coming up next is Sports Rock and Tours. If your local station doesn't carry it, you can go to Sports R-A-C-X wherever you listen to podcasts. And please follow both Vegas Never Sleeps and Sports Rockin' Tours on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening today. This is Stephen Manchie reminding you, Vegas Never Sleeps. Las Vegas, here we go!